Welcome to the Messiah's Branch Broadcast, a one-hour prophecy program on the American Voice Radio Network, featuring Pastor Dan of the Messiah's Branch Ministry. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Well, greetings, saints, and welcome to the Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour. I'm really happy to be here with you tonight. We're broadcasting live from the Flint Hills of Kansas, and we're on the American Voice Radio Network. Today's date just happens to be February 23rd, 
Yeah, amen and amen. Um, and, you know, I, he has for a purpose and for this time. And I'm really excited to have you on. You know, I, I, at, folks, I called him and, and got him. He's not his normal time of the month, so to speak. But it's really important for you to be on here tonight. I prayed about this, Carl, Thank before you, I, I contacted you. And because of this, and I know you've heard it, right, which what we're going to talk about is the Ashbury Revival. Yeah. Give me a minute to to relate to the folks a second. The Ashbury Revival came up, and of all places, it popped up, and I saw it on Facebook first. And, you know, at first, I've heard of it, people talk, different radio hosts or whatever, and different people say, well, yeah, there's going to be an end-time revival and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we really never have seen, anyway, I haven't, uh, what you would call a real revival come to fruition. One of the biggest things that upset me was all the mixed reactions, which I'm not going to go into right now, um, of the different people on Facebook um, talking about it. But I prayed. I thought, I, folks, I thought, well, who could I get to possibly be able to explain this to my audience? Because the reaction on Facebook made me realize that I needed somebody that was well-versed and could explain it from the right point of view. And that brings you into the picture, Carl. I, I couldn't get you out of my head. I thought, oh, I don't want to borrow Carl, bother Carl. I get him every month. I, I don't want to bother him. And I just, I couldn't resist. I had to ask you to come on and talk about this. Back to you. All right. Pastor Dan, let me say a couple of things. First of all, brother, you never bother me by asking me to come on to discuss something that's going on in the world. So not inviting myself back. I'm just saying don't ever hesitate. If I can't come, I'll let you know. But if I can, I'm always honored to be with you and your audience. So uh, so don't ever worry about that. Um, secondly, yeah, I, I would love to talk about this. It's, it's multifaceted. Uh, it goes back. It has historical roots. There are a lot of wonderful, in my humble opinion, now I'm just giving my opinion because you've asked for it, there are a lot of wonderful things about this, wonderful things that have happened. There are also, there's always the, you know, Satan's got to stick his nose in the middle of stuff. It brings out the Pharisees. It brings out the put me on the stage, people. Uh, it, it brings out all of that and even more. And I've been in the ministry now for almost 40 years, 37 years as the senior pastor of one church on the Gulf Coast. And, wow. and brother, I've dealt with all of this down through the, the years, and we've had to develop protocols. I've, I've been keeping up with this from the beginning. I've been so proud of the Asbury administration and teachers and, uh, and, 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 and the leaders, the coaches, janitors, security people in the godly way, in my opinion, that they handled this whole thing, the things they took into consideration, the self-sacrifice that they endured to make sure these young people could worship appropriately as they felt like the Holy Spirit was leading. So I, I pretty much have nothing but positives to say about the event itself, but I would like to kind of unwrap some of the um, the history behind it and and some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that took place that I've been researching and reading about for days. And um, is, is that okay if I just kind of talk about it? Or, or do you just interject? I mean, if you have something specific you want me to talk about, brother, just you it's your show, so tell me what you want me to do. Okay, and that's exactly where I want you to start. And that's what I know I'd get out of you. And then, you know, we've got the whole show for this or whatever, you know. But, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's start right where we need to with I'm, I'm on board. Okay, yeah. Well, let me just say, I, and I don't have notes in front of me. I just know what I know. I know what I've read, and it is multifaceted. So if it seems like I'm jumping around a little bit, folks, please just bear with me. Um, I, 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 it's because I'm jumping around a little bit. I've got so much I want to say. But the bottom line is this. Um, I am always open to a real movement of the Holy Spirit, real worshipers, real people really confessing and repenting and calling upon Jesus for salvation or for forgiveness, uh, prayer, reconciliation between people that prior to something like this, uh, I'm going to quote somebody in one of the articles, quote, hated each other's guts until they met at the altar in the 
middle of all of this, and there was weeping and wailing and repentance and forgiveness. And, and it started with, I, I don't know, I think just like maybe 100, 150 kids at a, at a required chapel service at a Christian college, Asbury College in Kentucky. And, and, and listen, I'm on the board of directors at the University of Mobile. It's the largest Southern Baptist university. It's in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, but people of all denominations are, are, you know, come there. And, and even some people who are not necessarily Christian, but they go through a lengthy, uh, process. Uh, they don't just let anybody, they just open the doors and let anybody in. But it's a large university. And they're very diversified. They have medical school in it, you know, teacher training school, education department, and accounting and finance as well as theology and training for ministry and music and worship. So Asbury is similar. It's a little smaller. But, but I was saying all that because at University of Mobile, they too have required chapel service attendance, you know, just to kind of keep everybody on the same page of, look, our focus ultimately is on Jesus Christ and the Word of God. So... So what happened was, for, for folks that don't know, uh, this is a Methodist-based university, similar to the University of Mobile, and they've been around a long time. And uh, they have had revival similar to this in, in the past. I think 50, 60 years ago they had something similar that happened there. But the, but the bottom line is that they were meeting on, a, I think it was a Wednesday, just a, a week or two ago. You'll have to forgive me, folks. My days have been kind of messed up. I spent several days in bed this last week with a nasty cold. But anyway, I'm much better now. But, but it started with just a... a, a a, a, a chapel service, and it was the soccer coach that was preaching, and the kids came, and they were required to come. And I love what happened here. This just, this just hit my heart. I almost, man, my, I got a lump in my throat when I read about this. Here's what happened. So the coach gets up. I mean, they had some people, you know, leading in worship, and the kids were singing, and everything's cool. And it's a chapel service. Everybody's got to be there, but a lot of people wanted to be there. He gets up to preach. It's his time to preach, and he's a godly man. And and I can tell you that from the text he sent his wife afterwards and how I relate to what he sent to her. But it says he gets up and he preaches on Romans 12, you know, and that starts off, you know, present your bodies as a living sacrifice and be not conformed to this world but transformed by the renewing of your mind, et cetera, et cetera. And then he goes on, it goes on to talk about, you know, encouraging each other and looking out for each other, building each other up, et cetera. So he's preaching on that. Well, that sounds like that ought to have been a really good message. But at the end of it, he, he's leaving and the service is kind of winding down. And, of course, he, he kind of gives a little altar call. And, and, and so he texts his wife. This was in one of the articles. He's walking out the door and he texts his wife and he says, a little bit. He said, another stinker of a sermon, nobody responded. <laughs> and he gets, in, he, gets in his, he gets in his car and leaves. Bro, well, I, he came back after a while because what he found out was his message and, you know, the Holy Spirit. But, look, I can identify with this because I'm a preacher. So many times I've preached my heart out and was so excited to preach the Word. And I just felt like I maybe just messed it up. I flubbed the dub. Uh, may, maybe the people just didn't, under, you know, have the same excitement I had for what God had shown me. And so, and, and then for the next week, I would be inundated with phone calls and emails. Oh my gosh, God touched my heart. The Lord spoke to me. My brother was with me. He's he's given his life to the Lord. He wants to talk to somebody this week, and and on and on. I just go, oh Lord. It, it really isn't about me. <laughs> I mean, listen, I know it's not, Brother Dan, but you know, when you get up and you preach and you're all excited, you kind of are excited to maybe see God move right there. But that's not what it's about. It's about the Word is alive. The Holy Spirit is real. Um, the movement of God among people is real. It's what we do, whether we respond or not. And so, so this guy gets up and preaches what he told his wife. On, in his text message, another stinker of a message. <laughs> and, and, but, but at the same time, God used it. And here's what happened according to the reports. And if I get a few things a little off, please forgive me, folks, but I'm, I'm pretty dead on on what happened according to the reports I've read, and I've read a ton of them. So 
the kids are just kind of hanging around, and a couple of them are down at the altar, or several of them are, and others are going down and joining them. They're praying. And somebody gets up and starts singing. I think it was somebody that was maybe in the music department there, had a beautiful voice, and just started singing a praise song. The other kids just joined in and started singing. More and more kids came to the altar. They started praying over each other and with each other. One of the people said, now you got to remember there's, I can't remember the exact number. There's only about 100, 150 kids there in that chapel service. Right. So it wasn't like there were thousands of people. Late, it, during the week or as the week went on, there were over 20,000 people on campus. Buses were coming from other states and other areas because the word got out, you know, with social media and everything now. But, but what happened is that so these kids are in there worshiping, and the worship service is going on and on. And, and some of the classes were still going. And students were hearing this, and they were stopping by the auditoriums. And what's going on? And they looked inside, and they saw these kids laying on the floor praying, and up at the altar praying, and worship some worship leaders among them just singing, and kids singing with them. And and they realized, man, something's going on here. And 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 some of the students said they were a little skeptical. Even some of the administrative staff said, well, okay. You know, they went down and they they just felt the presence of God in the room. And they said, oh, my gosh, this is real. So that's kind of how it started. But then more and more kids just kept going until finally it became this, this campus attraction. And people were going and they got, most of them got caught up in it. And they began praying and they joined with their brothers and sisters down at the altar and on the floor and in the seats and pews, wherever. And others were just spontaneously kind of leading and praise songs. Nothing out of the ordinary weird. Nothing. Just just praying and repenting and confessing and asking for forgiveness of the Lord and or from each other and people leading in worship and people singing. And, and, and so that's what was happening. And the reports, I don't know the exact timeline, but apparently because of social media, people started tweeting about it and Facebooking it and saying, man, you're not going to believe what's happening here. And before long, it just kind of started. Let me jump in. But the people that were in there worshiping didn't even do what, brother? Oh, I said, let me jump in here for a minute. Are you you hearing me? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. We've got a bad connection. Yeah, jump in, brother. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I might, during break time, ask him to reconnect us. But it ain't break time yet. But I want to throw a couple things in here real quick for the people. Um, the numbers uh, that I finally saw that were, were over 50,000 people attended this play, attended yeah. this, and they came from not only just in the United States. I'm looking at a map that shows them coming from all over the world, a Google map that somebody graciously yeah. put on. But um, let me just name a couple of the places that, that it's still going on. Uganda, the Philippines, India, Mexico, Brazil. Finland, Norway, University of Valley Forge, the Radiant City Center in uh, Kalamazoo, John Brown University, uh, there's just a list, Texas A&M University, Life of Christ Church, University of Cumberland, Victory Church. This thing is just going on, Carl, um, like you wouldn't believe. Back to you, we've got about three minutes before break. Okay, thank you for that time uh, call out there. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I'm so glad you interjected. I, I was eventually going there, but but it's so good for you to say it because you're right. I mean, I've read the same reports, and, and so, so I'm just kind of given how the beginning started. But the thing that impressed me, I think, the most was all – was everything that I heard about how the administration came together and supported it. They met in a closet, a, a, a closet that held a bunch of chairs and stuff. They got them out, and the closet was right connected to the auditorium. So they were trying to say, how can we, how can we promote this? How can we let the kids do this? But how do we protect the sheep from the wolves? Because the wolves will come, and they oh. did come. And I read a lot of interesting stuff I want to share with your audience, but I know it's time for a break. Oh, we got we still got a minute and a half, two minutes. Um, oh, okay. Okay, well, the bottom line is they met and they started developing protocol, which really interested me because as a pastor, I've had to do this several times about how do we handle disruptions in a church. Now, this was not a disruption, but it could have been. And, and some people tried to disrupt it. I'll tell your audience about that in a few moments. 
even some well-known personalities, and I'm not going to call their names on your show, even though their names are in the media, uh, of coming in and kind of trying to grandstand and make it about them. And, brother, that stuff irks me to no end. Yeah. And it's stuff that I have to protect my church from for 37 years. We've had people walk in on a Sunday morning. They get caught up in our worship service, and at the end, I'll have them come up. I've never seen them before. And they say, listen, God spoke to me. And I'm thinking, okay, praise Jesus. And they said, and God gave me a word for you. And I'm thinking, okay, he better give it to me, though. Uh, if he gave it to yeah. you, it better also be given to me. But I want to hear it. And then their word, and I promise you, brother, in 37 years, this has happened four or five times. I've got witnesses to it. But they would say something like this. God told me next Sunday that I was supposed to preach in your pulpit. Wow. Yeah. And, brother, yeah, brother, I'm telling you, that mm. kind of stuff goes on. We have to <laughs> deal with it all the time. And it went on at Asbury, and the staff dealt with it. I know it's time to go for a break, but when we come back, I'll go into more detail, and we'll eventually get around to kind of what's happening with all this. Okay. Um so I got about a minute to kill. That's good. Oh, folks, I'm sorry. Can't, well, that's all right. No, no, let, let, that's all right. Let me intercede. I only got about a minute, so let me say a couple things. Number one, um, you can find Pastor Carl at carlgallops.com. Carlgallops.com. Make sure you check it out. But uh, Carl, what I also want to say to you is, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've dealt with those things. I started off way, way back in ministry before I ever did anything on my own, helping out. Uh, place called the Prophecy Club, and they did meeting. He was on 200 radio station, and I helped out at meetings. And the first, one of the jobs that I had to do was keep materials, uh, bogus things from coming into these, these seminars, and, from, and also yeah. to stop people that God sent them. You wouldn't believe how many people God sent. It was amazing. And what oh, was right. really amazing is they all had different messages, but if one spirit, one oh, people... Yeah. How come they all have different messages? Yeah, and it's pretty yeah. all self-centered. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I want to hear anything yeah. you got to say. And amen. I was, I was, I felt greatly, especially one big personality, I won't mention his name, that they shut down, that, you know, it could have been positive, but he would have been the center of the show if he would have went. Okay, folks, you can find uh, Carl Gallops at carlgallops.com, and we're going to go to a break, and we're going to come back and talk about this. Go away, Pastor Dan will be right back. In Genesis 41, tells the story of Pharaoh having a dream of seven fat ears of corn, followed by seven blasted ones, meaning there's seven years of plenty, and then there was seven years of famine following. We are now in seven years of famine once again, starting September 25th of 2021. Joseph's Kitchen is about getting actual wheat berries, Putting them through a meal takes 30 seconds, putting it along with the ingredients into a bread machine, pushing a button. Two hours, 20 minutes later, you have a nice steaming hot loaf of whole wheat bread. Most long-term storage food is from nine to $10,000, one person, one year. At Joseph's Kitchen, it's two people, one year, about $2,000. Then you decide whether you want to have food for one person, one year, two people, one year, four people, one year, or six people, one year, all at josephskitchen.com. That's right, about $1,000 per person per year at josephskitchen.com. josephskitchen.com. In this time of the social and spiritual breakdown of America and the world, in these prophetic end times, God is calling multitudes of Christians to the Ozarks and other safe havens around the world to survive so they can spread the gospel. The Ark Haven Intentional Neighbors Vision is to prepare Christians physically, mentally, and spiritually for these end times. Thousands are coming to the Ozark Mountains in Arkansas and Missouri, where even the CIA says it's one of the safest places on earth. 
The intentional neighbors concept allows Christian neighbors to own adjacent land to each other so they can aid and help each other. The community is exploding with nurses, a doctor, and other professionals as well as many others. If you cannot afford to buy a house, you can rent a house. Call 479-502-1789. That's 479-502-1789. Or visit arkhaven.org. That's arkhaven.org. Tell them Pastor Dan sent you. Well, we're back. This is Pastor Dan Catlin. You're listening to Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour on the American Voice Radio Network. Yes, folks, we're going to get right back to talking about Ashbury with Carl Gallops in just a second. I just want to remind you that all donations, no matter what size helps, and the Father notices all donations that come from where? Your heart, of course. If you don't wish to help us for consider a donation for Radio Airtimes. I know you enjoy our guests and the information we give you. You can donate online, mail a check or money order, cash app, give a donation over the phone, all the traditional things. Find all the information at prophecyair.com. And now we're back with Pastor Carl. Still with me, right, brother? Yes, sir, I am. Thank you. Amen. Well, you can open this anyway and go on. I just, okay. I know you have a, a flow to do, and I, I just really want to listen to you right now. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Pastor. Dan. Again, to your audience, uh, disclaimer, these are my opinions. Pastor Dan may or may not share them, and you may or may not share them, but I was asked to share my opinions, so I'm sharing them, and whatever knowledge I've gained by reading all these articles and keeping up with it. But the two areas I want to concentrate on now for your audience is, number one, how the administration handled this. I mean, how do you handle when there's a revival going on in the chapel of your university, and it doesn't look like the kids are going to leave? And and the crowd is growing. And I mean, just the first day, it was growing from 100, 150 to, you know, many hundreds. Um, and then it starts overflowing out into the courtyard. What what, what do you do? Okay. And, and there are some very real logistical problems with this. I mean, from just logistical issues of water and bathrooms and toilet paper and soap and sleeping arrangements in case it gets into the night and all of these things. And then there's also the protecting your sheep from the wolves that will come because social media is already on top of it. They're advertising it to the world. Little did they know, buses were already filling up in cities around the United States. (laughs) Airplane reservations were being made from foreign countries. Little did Asbury know this was going on. But these these people, I say guys, I mean men and women when I say that. That's my, my, my northern expression, guys. But when these guys... These administrators and coaches and janitors and security people, they all met in this, like, big closet, uh, utility closet, and and it was connected to the chapel so they could kind of keep their eyes on everything. And their, their number one rule was let the young people worship. I mean, they're just worshiping. That's what we're here for, and we praise God for this. So let them worship, but we're not going to let it become a grand stage talent show Everybody, let me preach, let me sing, let me play my guitar, let me blow the shofar, let me, you know, they said we're not going to let it become that. As long as people are down there praying and praying with each other and calling upon the Lord and weeping and calling for forgiveness, as long as somebody that we know is up there kind of leading in some sweet music and worship songs and not turning it into a concert, look at me, uh, we're going to let it go. But we need to protect them. Because surely the wolves will come, the Pharisees will come, the grandstanders will come, the you know, and then they said, you know, what if the buses start rolling in here? What are we going to do? So I admire them for all that. They, they came up with a system that if we get these people coming in, say, God said, put me on the stage. Well, they said, we don't want to quench the spirit if somebody has a real testimony. But they said, what we're going to do, we're going to say, tell us what God has told you first. We're going we're gonna to screen it. And they said, if people don't like that, then we're going to say you can't speak then. 
if people do like it and they and they tell us, then we're going to hold them to what they say. And, and if we approve them to speak, we're not going to be all legalistic about it, but we're going to protect our university. We're going to protect our kids. We're going to protect the sanctity of this worship. Now, brother, I admire that. I'm telling you, as a pastor, that is that is hard work. I mean, I, I was a cop for years. And, the, you know, policemen are either loved or hated. If you've got somebody, if you need a cop, you need him, need him, then you love him when he shows up. But when you're not looking for a cop and you're speeding and you get caught, or if you're worse than that, you just robbed or murdered somebody, you don't want to see a cop. Okay? Well, that's kind of how a pastor is if they're worth their salt at all. And that's how these administrators were. That's how I've tried to be and have had to be over the years. My, my zeal is for the house of the Lord. And I'm not trying to compare myself to Jesus because I know he spoke that, but he has given me that spirit. I'm the shepherd of the church that I pastor. I can't tell everybody else to how to pastor their churches, but I do know how I want mine to be. I want it to be real and everything that that means. But the bottom line is I, too, have had to do these things down through the years and still do them, and I call it the hard work of the ministry. And I was so heartened, Pastor Dan, when I read these accounts of how these administrators just jumped right on it. There was no, like the president didn't have to call a committee or meeting. The president himself got involved in it. They got involved in the worship. They were on the floor with the kids. They were at the altar with the kids, and they were taking turns and shifts and some would go home and go to sleep and then come back, and they would, shift, they would shift out as the crowds kept growing. And Brother, I, I just thought that was amazing. And they turned down. I mean, these articles said they turned down people that were showing up driving there because they had heard about it on social media. They said, God told me I was supposed to preach tonight. And they said, well, wait a minute. That's, that's not what this is. This is just a big, great big worship service and repentance service. Right. And, and well, but, but God told me. And then they would say, okay, well, just in case, uh, tell us what you're going to say. And, you know, people would get mad, and then they'd say, well, then, sir, you're, you're not going to be able to speak. And they said they, the other thing they had decided is they weren't going to let somebody monopolize it by praying out loud, screaming and shouting. You know how people will do, brother. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, if you want to do that at home, that's fine. But don't walk into a movement of God and then start out shouting everybody so that everybody has to look at you i mean i mean that's not what it's about i mean i would not allow that in my church do i allow people to worship yes if they want to shout hallelujah want to clap hands want to raise their hands and worship absolutely but am i going to allow somebody to raise their voice above everybody else's and then just start screaming and and going crazy and Say basically, look at me, look at me. No, brother, I'm not going to allow that. That's confusion in worship, and it is fleshly, and we are to worship him in spirit and in truth. That means not in the flesh and not in falsehood, spirit and in truth. So these people at Asbury, from everything I've read, they did that, man. I mean, they were on top of it. And as a longtime pastor, I read that, and I said, good for you. God will honor this. And so they had people show up, jump up on the stage. The buses unloaded. People ran in. People jumped up on stage, want to play their guitars and blow their shofars and preach. And, you know, and, 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 the, and the, the officials just went to them. They said they had no trouble. They never had to fight anybody. But they did have to ask several to leave the stage. But they had decided they'd be very sweet about it if they would let them. And they told them, said, guys, listen, I don't want to embarrass you, but that this is not what this is about. So please, just, just sweetly step down. If you want to join prayer and singing, please do. We're not trying to kick you out, but you just are not allowed to take this over. This is not about you. And and finally, they said people got it, and they kind of, you know, she officially got down. Some got mad and left. But here's the cool thing, though, brother. So when all these people started coming, they said in these articles that famous Christian musicians started coming and that the kids didn't even know. People didn't even know. these. Some of these musicians never even introduced themselves. They just were recognized by some of the staff. And they, they went straight to the altar and just started praying for themselves and prayed over other people and prayed with them and then got up and left. They never said, I'm wow. here to sing. I'm here to lead. I'm here. And these were like world-class people. Yeah. And, and But they never, in the, in the administration, just went to them and said, hey, aren't you so-and-so? And they said, yes. 
And they said, well, thank you for just being so godly about it. And they said, well, that's, that's what we came for. And there were several big-time pastors and preachers that did the same thing. Wow. They said the kids didn't even know who they were, but the staff did. Yeah. And they just came in and prayed and wept with people and then left. And then I'm going to tell you something else, but let me just hush in case you got something you want to say. No, go ahead. I'm, 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 you, okay, keep going. Okay, so anyway, um, but <laughs> there was w one preacher who's all over the Internet, and he's got a huge following. This one article said his name, and I'm not, I'm just not going to say it. Yeah, I don't want to soil no, your no. show, and we're not here to call people out. The, the media has already done it. But um, this 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 one preacher, bless his heart, came in, was all fired up and pumped up, jumped up on stage and started preaching and out shouting everybody. And they had to they had to go up and address him. And he's like this world famous guy, and, and he was he was going to make it about himself. And yeah. and that's the other thing the administration said that they were concerned that these kinds of people would show up insert themselves into it, and then go off on the media and tell everybody how how instrumental they were in helping to bring this revival about. Right. Brother, that breaks my heart, but people do that, Pastor Dan. They do it. I have seen it. I've experienced it. I've had to deal with it, and you probably have too. Let me hush and let you comment, and then I'll keep going. Okay, yeah, absolutely. I've seen that spirit, you know, about them, but... This thing, everything that I read um, follows closely along with what you're saying. I didn't get to read the same articles that you did because uh, I didn't get this much about the staff, and I'm so greatly impressed. That took great courage yes. to do that. And in the the the, yes. the the ending of this thing, it was so organic. That's what we kept going. People, the testimonies that I read, People say, well, I thought that I was going to go there, but you could just feel the presence of God, and it wasn't nobody but the kids, and the Holy Spirit lead it. So, yeah, go on. Uh, you're telling yeah. the people a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well, so this is why, this is why I'm just telling your audience, the Pharisees are everywhere. There are people picking it apart, trying to, you know, well, did they have the proper doctrine? Did they sing the right songs? Uh, they didn't let women speak, did they? Did they do this? Did they? It's like, you know, guys, that's not what this is about. Now, of course you want to guard doctrine. Of course you want to protect the sheep from the wolves. Of course you want to take, you know, protect people from, you know, put me on the stage kind of people. Or God told me I was supposed to preach at this thing. Uh, yeah, here's the crowd. Okay, you guys got the crowd. Now I'm going to be on the stage. You know, you've got to protect people from that. These kids had no idea this was going to happen. They were just genuinely worshiping that that bless that soccer coach's heart. Whatever he preached and thought it was a quote stinker of a sermon, uh, the Holy Spirit filled it, got into those kids' hearts. It broke out. People started worshiping and singing and spontaneous. They had some amazing services of song and worship. I saw a bunch of video on that. It was beautiful. It was sweet. Um, a lot of the songs that I love, I've got. That I listen to all the time, they were singing them, and it just kind of spoke to my heart that maybe I'm listening to some of the right music, you know. But anyway, so so there's so much to this. I mean, and I just admire those administrators. I'm sure they didn't handle it perfectly, but from everything I read, man, I thought they were dead on. Even to the bringing it to kind of a conclusion as far as what was happening on the campus. And being so mature about it and saying, now, guys, this needs to go to the world now. It doesn't need to just stay here. We don't own this. So we're not going to keep it here scrunched up in, on our campus. Uh, you know, go to social media. Get minister to people. Go back to your communities. Minister to your families. Minister in your churches. Uh, you know, you know, let this thing spread. If it's of the Lord, it'll spread. You can't stop it. If it's not of the Lord, it'll just die. And and that comes right out of the Bible, by the way. Gamaliel told the Pharisees that about Jesus. If this if this guy's from God, you're not going to stop him. And so so anyway, so that I, I admired the way they did that. Are, are you trying to say something, Pastor? We've got a little no, bit of a delay. In, so I, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I'm okay. in the background here laughing and no, that's okay. Brother, it's your show. It's 
if you and want I, to interject, and I you're even just, scooted way back from the microphone, so maybe you wouldn't hear me as bad. But no, I, I'm no, really no, enjoying no, the message no. that you're giving. I felt well, like have you okay. on to explain this, so go. Well, you're so kind. You're so kind, and I've got a few more things to say, but it is your show. Please interject, brother, just please, if you want to. But otherwise, I'll just talk till it's time to be done. But anyway... So I'm so identifying with this. So the bottom line is I had very little negative to say about it at all. I don't know that I have anything negative to say about the movement of God, of course. But I do know the negative gets involved. Listen, wherever something like this happens, Satan is going to set up his shop. He is going. And I'm not saying these people that showed up and said or did inappropriate things. I'm not saying they're demon-possessed or anything like that. I don't know these people. I'm not judging them. Even that world-famous pastor, bless his heart, I think he just did a big boo-boo is what I think. I think he let his flesh get ahead of him, but I, yeah, I could be wrong about that. I don't know what he heard from God. I don't know what he thought he was doing, but I'm not his judge. I'm just telling you that these things can become complex and very spiritual very quickly. And when I say spiritual, obviously the moving of the Holy Spirit is spiritual, but it can also be infiltrated by demonic puppet string pulling and the demonic does that and and paul warned us in ephesians 6 our battle you see everything happening in flesh and blood in your world but the battle is the demonic pulling puppet strings behind the curtains the battle is in the unseen realms and jesus warned us about this very kind of thing when he said look the kingdom of god advances forcefully he says but there are forceful men that are always there trying to take hold of it now, I'm telling you, brother, before I was a pastor, that verse confused me. I didn't know what that meant. And I would ask people, and hardly anybody knew exactly what that meant. When I became a pastor, within my first year pastoring, I knew exactly what it meant. And what it meant was exactly what the administrators at Asbury knew, and they were already planning a wall, a hedge of protection around this, to let the revival go, but don't let it go off into, uh, you know, doctrine that's just completely heresy. Um, don't do that. Let people speak. Let people minister. But don't let stage, you know, don't let people put me on the program, put me on the program. Or God told me, uh, you know, don't let that happen either. I mean, that's a hard balancing act, but God honors it. But this stuff always attracts the demonic, it attracts the Pharisees, it attracts people who have, oh, I don't know, they just need to be validated. And my heart breaks for them, but people, there are hurting people that see these things, and sometimes they look to take advantage of it. I can finally be famous. I can finally get my face in front of a camera. I can finally get on a stage in front of 50,000 people. I can sing my song, and the whole world will hear me, and I'll be a star. Brother, I'm telling you, I know I don't have to tell you, but I want your audience to know there are people like this. And it happened at Asbury, and they seem to have handled it beautifully, and I admire that. So my, my bottom line is, brother, now you know the Cane Creek revivals. I don't know if you're familiar with that or if your audience is, but that started, that started in the early 1800s, I think 1801, that also happened in Kentucky, and it happened right down the road from Asbury. And and so a lot of people are already comparing this to the Cane Creek revival. And there are a lot of similarities, but there are a lot of dissimilarities as well. And people can get on the Internet and read about that. But, you know, you, you know the Great Awakening, one, the Great Awakening, two. I mean, it started with things like this, brother, with with just the word preached. The Holy Spirit moving, people hitting their faces in prayer and repentance, worship, singing, ministering, confessing, repenting, uh, making amends with each other, with the Lord, just humbly behind closed doors, not thinking the whole world was watching. And back in the 1800s, it was hard for that to happen. But word got out. But now in our world, the word got out on this within 10 minutes, you know, <laughs> social media. And and yeah. so that can be a good thing though, because now it's spread all over the world, and, and and you know that Satan hates this. You know that the I don't know what else to yeah. call them. Just when I say leftist, I'm not talking politics. I'm talking 
just people that hate God, hate His Word, just hate everything that it, this kind of thing stands for, and they're looking for anything they can to pull it down. I, I, I know one one thing that blessed my heart, brother. About right before all this was starting, I read another article that broke my heart about a pastor who was preaching, and it was all in the news. And he used an illustration in his sermon from his own life, from his own past. He bore his soul. It was nothing nasty. He didn't do anything nasty, but he was tempted to. And he told the story. And apparently he, you know, approved it with his family. And he gets up on a Sunday morning. He preaches this powerful sermon. And he uses this illustration. Well, some, you know, social media, something happened. The Pharisees pounced on it. The man was trashed all over the Internet. I can't believe he did that. I can't believe he said that. When the man was just confessing that he was tempted like everybody else and he understood how how you get out of temptation. Well, anyway, I read an article, brother, by a legitimate media company that said that guy came to the Asbury Revival because what happened to him happened just before that broke out. And he was crushed. He, he admitted that he, he, he just was despondent, depressed. The media was eating him alive. Social media was eating him alive, humiliating him, depressing him. And this guy is a pastor of a big church. He showed up at the Asbury Revival, did not tell anybody who he was. Somebody there recognized him, again, some of the staff. He went down to the altar, prayed, wept, had people praying for him. Nobody knew who he was. And then he began to minister, just praying for people, and then he left. And somebody outside stopped him and was talking to him, and it was that guy. So, I mean, I see these kinds of things, brother, and I'm yeah. just, my heart is warmed because I can see how the Lord has used this in that pastor's life. He might have even used it in this world-famous pastor's life that kind of got called down about it. Maybe he used it to humble him a little. I'm sure he used it in all those kids. The people that drove there and experienced it, people that flew in and experienced it, and now they're taking it back to their churches and to their countries. Brother, I'm, I'm excited about it. This is the kind of stuff that we pray for. I mean, look, our nation is going to hell in a handbasket, brother. This whole world is. We're living in the most prophetic time since the first coming of Jesus Christ. And so the Bible talks about in the last days there will be simultaneous a great falling away, at the same time, there's a great outpouring of God's Spirit and a great ingathering. What's happening, brother, is the chaff is being separated from the wheat. The tares and the wheat, they're being separated. Yeah. COVID did a lot of that. Churches all over the world shut down. People left. Some preachers left the ministry altogether. Christians, a third of them said they'll never go back to the church. I mean, on and on. People were put in jail. Churches were bulldozed in some countries. And, and people fled. Well, now that's calmed down. And now we've got all of these social agendas and social constructs and redefining of marriage, home, and family, and gender, and laws passed, and people trashed and put in jail if they speak incorrectly uh, against the social media, and just on and on. Now we're finding out our FBI was involved with Twitter and Facebook and shutting people down. Uh, during COVID and during the elections. And, and then in the middle of all this falling away comes a great awakening among young people. And, I mean, when Jesus chose his disciples, brother, he chose a bunch of teenagers and young, young adults. And he chose a bunch of fishermen and tax collectors. And they turned the world upside down. And I think Amen. that this what this is about. Let me, we've got a few minutes left. Let me, let me interject just a couple of small things. Um, you're absolutely right. Something that you just said, you know, was, uh, was the young people, Generation Z, I guess they call it, um, that really gives me great hope to see that because, you know, there was a lot of talk in the, the, the uh, different media things that I was looking at. But, you know, what really, what really broke my heart in all this is, is you know, I've, I've got a lot of followers, of course, on Facebook because, you know, they listen to radio and they want to go over and follow you and all that. Well, yeah. so I have a mixed multitude of people on my Facebook page. 
Um, some of them are what they call Hebrew roots. Some of them are, are what they call Messianic Judaism. And, and then just regular Christians, as I call them, you know, and Baptist and whatever. But the rhetoric that went on between some of these people calling others names because it wasn't, they wasn't using the right name. They were using Jesus instead of Yahshua or something. Oh, my God. I didn't know there were so many different names for Yahweh or God or whatever until, you know, uh, it's right. You know? Yeah. Let me just put it to you like this. If I was some world famous, and I'm not, if I was some world famous entertainer, would I care what people in different languages, as long as they use my name in their language to talk right. about me and whatever I was doing? I, that's, you know, brother, anyway, that's another whole show we can do. Oh, yeah. I honor. Listen, I speak some Hebrew, and I use Hebrew phrases in our worship all the time, but I let our people know what it is, and, and I encourage people to just know some of those worship languages, uh, you right. know, of, uh, in Hebrew. But, but, but I do not. If somebody talks about Jesus, I'm I'm excited, brother. I don't correct them. I but anyway, I I mainly use Yeshua. Okay, well, but I use Jesus Christ too. Yeah, Listen, when I'm ministering, it depends on who I'm ministering. Paul said to become all yes, things to all men, so that you might save a few. Thank you. I minister to what dialect they are. You un you understand what I mean? I minister to them yes. on their ground, and then you know. We can learn later. Give them baby's milk. But but saying that you're of the devil if you use the name Jesus Christ, you're oh, worshiping brother. a pagan oh, god. Boy, I, I, my heart breaks for that man or woman that says things like that. We really got to get out of here, Carl. I love you to death so much. Thank you for coming on with me. Um, tell the people where they can find me. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they can find me at carlgallops.com, and that was Cane Ridge Revival. I think I said Cane Creek. It's Cane Ridge, and people should go read the differences and similarities there. That would be interesting. But listen, I, 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 I hope this is what you wanted, brother. I just, I just wanted to share with people what I knew about it. As you can tell, I'm very excited about the movement yeah, of amen. God among these young people and around the world. Yeah, great job, Carl. Thanks for being on with me. You be blessed, brother. You too, brother. Thanks for having me. Love you. Okay. Amen. Well, folks, that was Pastor Carl Gallup. Of course, uh, he's a regular on the program. Very well put. And he put something else on it that I, I, I kind of wondered about, but this couldn't have went on had not the right people been controlling it. And they, while they stayed out of it, they let the children worship. They let the young people worship, and they let other people do it. And it, it's great, and it's still going on different places. Okay, folks, i got to get out of here. But remember, there is only one true God. He is your Father. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His Son is Yeshua HaMashiach. He gave His life for repented sins, and He rose after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And through Him, and only through Him, is the way of the Father. Remember, always, always, always be a blessing for others. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but pray for each other. Love one another. Lord our God, Father, King, Universe, asking Yeshua, Hamashiach's name. Father, please, please, please bless and keep them. And please let your face shine upon them. Be gracious to them and give them peace like no one or nothing else can. Until next Thursday, this is Pastor Dan saying goodbye and shalom. Y'all be blessed. You've just heard the Messiah's Branch broadcast featuring Pastor Dan. To contact Dan on the Internet, go to messiahsbranch.org. To write to Dan, send a note to Messiah's Branch, 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Tune in next time for the Messiah's Branch. <laughs>